Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Today I'm going to be doing the scripture reading from um, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her welfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, with the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, says to the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. These are the words of the Lord. Thank you. So we've been thinking uh, the last number of weeks on the idea of Christ with us in the valleys of life. Whatever those valleys might be. So we've seen valleys of blessing, valleys of encouragement, but also valleys of challenge, difficulty. Last week we looked at Psalm 84, which um, we called the Valley of Aridness, Valley of Tears, Valley of Sorrows. So we, at times, indeed, go through those types of valleys. Today we look at uh, kind of the opposite of that, the Valley of New Beginnings, looking at this wonderful text from Isaiah chapter 40, which is a famous bit. It's interesting that be between Isaiah 39 and Isaiah 40, there's a time period. And Isaiah 1 through 39 builds up and builds up because the people have been living in disobedience. They've been following the idols of the surrounding nations. It hasn't been going well in terms of their journey with God. And then, of course, it ends with the exile and the people are sent into the land of Babylon and there they spend 70 years. So there's that whole build-up in the book of Isaiah if you had a chance to read through it, chapters 1 through 39. God calling out to Israel, Israel not really listening. And then when we come to chapter 40 to the end, there's this turn. And so it begins in this chapter. And it's a turn of God saying, enough, enough. 
you've suffered enough. And then there is this homecoming, God comes to us. So in a sense, there's a new beginning. Israel is given a new beginning. I mentioned uh, my friend who passed away this week, and there was a service, a memorial service for John up at uh, Tyndale Chapel yesterday. And he had a young son who was, I think, 13, James. And so James gave a, you know, a piece, read a psalm, said a few words. And then the service ended, really, with his wife, Sandra, uh, giving quite a powerful, emotional statement. And just kind of recognizing the challenge of going on. She was a fair bit younger than... Then John, and you know, like uh, she was saying, you guys are going to go home to your life right now, but I'm stuck. Big chasm before me, that's which word she used. So, you know, praying for Sandra and James and praying that ultimately they will experience a new beginning. Very challenging at the moment. But new beginnings do await us. And Isaiah 40 is very much um, along that line. So the valley of new beginnings. So we begin just with a couple of verses here. Comfort, O comfort my people, says to you, says your God. So comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. God is speaking here to the divine council, if you like, in heaven. And he's saying, comfort, comfort my people my angels, my stewards, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this Isaiah the prophet pictures God in heaven speaking these words, all right? So the voice comes. And it speaks what? It speaks a word of comfort, first of all. It speaks a word of encouragement, right? That you've, I know the pain that you've gone through, and I see all the hurt that that's created in your life, in your communities. And now it's a word of comfort. Comfort, comfort my people. And not only that, it's a word of forgiveness. Israel had screwed up big time. They had set up false idols all over the nation. They, they were worshiping Baal. They were doing all kinds of stuff, all the kinds of things they weren't supposed to be doing, they were doing. Why, really? Because they wanted to fit in. Ultimately, they wanted to fit in. The other nations are doing this. It can't be all that bad, so there, there we go. We want to fit in. And... You know, it probably wasn't because they were such bad people, right? <laughs> they were just like us. But they were going their way, and it wasn't God's way, just like we often find ourselves. And God's word is, it's a word of comfort, and it's a word of forgiveness. God sees us. He understands us. He knows, because he goes on to say later, that we are just like grass. We are like the flowers of the field. He knows. We come, we go. But the word begins with a word of comfort, a word of forgiveness. There is indeed a new beginning. New beginning for you and for me. 
Sometimes we feel like, they, well, there can't be that because, I, you know, I'm such a, whatever, I'm such a bad person or I've messed up so much, just go through the list, whatever it might be. Whatever your negative self-talk is, we tend to all have some of it. So when we fall into that, God's word to us is one of comfort, it is one of forgiveness, one of mercy. So Isaiah 40 is beautiful on that. As we hear these imperatives, speak out, cry, enough. A few weeks, we're going to do a, a course, interesting, starting one in a couple of weeks, I guess, October 15th, two Sundays from now. But part of it is when you're doing hermeneutics, you, look, you really look at the text. And so right here, we look for what are the verbs, what are the action verbs, and in what tense are they? They're imperatives. So it's a command from God, speak, cry, enough, the penalty is paid. It comes with power and action. We're invited to see that in the text. They're not all the same. Every word's not weighted the same. So hear the word of comfort. Hear the word of forgiveness. Speak that, God cries out. What does he cry out? What are we to cry out? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Note, every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so as it goes on, the, the, God is commanding his prophets to speak the word, and the angels and the stewards prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. There's a big coming home, homecoming. And the, the picture is the people who are in Babylon walking through the desert, all the way through the Arabian desert to reach Israel. And how are they going to do it? The metaphor is God's going to establish this big highway in the desert, and the people are going to follow along. It, it's a poetic image. But note, every valley shall be lifted up. There's our word. The metaphor of our valleys. Every valley shall be lifted up and the mountains shall be raised so we can build this highway, this superhighway, this 407 right across the Arabian desert to bring us home. And God's going to travel the 407. Man, do I ever thank the Lord for the 407. I probably shouldn't. Well, when I go down east, you know, you, you, you have to go down the 401. Oh, man, I hate the 401. Honestly, I hate it. It's always so much traffic. If I can get myself up to the 407, just buzz right along on this super highway. It's kind of cool, anyway. I like it. But that's the image here, this big highway. Going from Cochabamba and Bolivia down to the Chapari, the, the Chinese from China are, have been given this contract to build this amazing highway from one city down to the rainforest. And they're building it, and valleys are being raised, and mountains are coming down, literally, this massive project through the rainforest, unfortunately, to the Chapare, which is on the way to another big city, Santa Cruz. So the highway is to join these two cities. So it's a big, big project. And that's kind of the image that we have here. Valleys lifted up, mountains coming down, so that God's glory 
might be revealed. Glory is God's kabod. His amazing kabod. Glory is an important word in the Old Testament. It stands for God's presence, his glory. We see God's glory. Wow. What do we know about God? What are, you know, like what are the most powerful phenomenon in in our phenomena in our world? Well, one of them are supernovas. These stars just going exploding. Super, super bright. But that that's just a little pinprick of what God's glory is like. The creator, his glory, the kabod of God coming to us. Prepare the way of the Lord. So where do we hear those words? Prepare the way of the Lord. Beginning of Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist in the wilderness. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. All four gospels include this. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the path, the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the Baptist picks up this piece from Isaiah 40 and says, This great highway, this great homecoming of God to us, is ultimately found not just in the people coming back from, from Babylon, but in Christ, in what he will do. Prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist was doing part of that, wasn't he? Preparing the way of the Lord. So it's saying to us in this first chunk of this path is that this period of dislocation is over. For Israel, they've been dislocated for 70 years, and now they're coming back. So it's a story of homecoming. And so homecoming not just for Israel, but for us. What is your homecoming? My friend John traveled to India years ago, and he had an amazing faith experience when he was just a young person in India. And that marked the whole change in direction of his life. Connecting with God in, 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 in whatever environment that was that connected with him. He commits himself to become a Hebrew scholar after that and become a teacher. A way of homecoming. He found his way. So what is our way? What is your way? The way of dislocation is over. Man, we've all been dislocated, right? Surely we have. But the invitation for us is to come home to our true homecoming, which Frederick Buechner says, no matter how much the world shatters us to pieces, we carry inside us a vision of wholeness that we sense is our true home, and that beckons us. Our true home, your true home, your deepest home, more than your apartment, more than your house, whatever, where you're living, more than that, your true home is your connection with God, God coming to us. So this bit, this prophet, prophetic statement is beginning with an invitation to come home. So may we come home, may we hear it, even as Israel heard it. Does God's home attract us like a magnet, does it? Closer you get to the magnet, the stronger it gets. 
So if you spend a little bit more time with God, more and more the attraction will be there. It will pull you. It will draw you. The prophet carries on. A voice says, cry out. Note, another verb. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Goes on from there. God's word. So how does that fit in? Well, have this amazing statement, come on home. And what's it based on? Well, it's not based on our own action. Psalm 39 says, we are passing guests. I like that statement. Your life, you are a passing guest. I am a passing guest. That's all our lives are. God gives us this life. He's the giver of life. And you have a bit of time under the sun. We are passing guests. And then what happens? New generations come, and they are the passing guests, your children. And then finally their children, and on and on it goes. We are passing guests. And we are all like grass. We are all like grass. We are all impermanent. Every one of us, no matter how rich or how, how famous you are, there's no one percent in this. No one has special status here. We are all like grass. You might have billions of dollars and be in the paper every day, whether on our side of the pond or on the other side, doesn't matter. We are all like grass. No special status. No one percent. We live our lives, but what? But God, he is permanent. You know, I look up at the stars at night, and when I, when I see them, Big Dipper right there, North Star, Little Dipper. You know, Jesus saw the same constellations. They haven't changed. Jesus saw them. Not only did Jesus see them, Moses saw them. Same guys, man, looking up at the Big Dipper. Abraham saw them. We can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and they saw them. We are passing guests. They have been the same for a lot longer than that time frame. God's word, you know, and that's just a picture because the earth ultimately passes. There will be new heavens, new earth, but God's word, his voice, his logos is eternal. It's beautiful. So, but God, but God is permanent, and that language is used in the New Testament as well. Paul likes that construction, but God. You can look at Ephesians chapter 2, goes on, but God. God has done this work, this big conjunction, but God has done his work. And he calls then for us to trust, trust in God. Trust when there seems to be a big vacuum in front of you and chasm because of the pain that you are seeing, the hurt you are seeing, the challenges you are seeing, the questions you are seeing, questions about your family, questions about the church, questions about the community, broader community, all these things we carry. 
But God is there, and we're invited to trust and depend on him, lean on him, but God. So can we trust in the midst of the dislocation? Nobody can force you to do that. You have to trust, I have to trust in those bits. So God's coming, true homecoming, middle bit, based on God's word that he has spoken, his logos, and now we have this final call. Get you up to a high mountain. Again, notice all the imperatives here. There's four of them. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. So all of these encouragements and good tidings is the same word as the gospel. It's the same word as good news. First time in the Old Testament, good news is seen. God's good news. God is speaking a word of good news to them and to us. So can we hear that? God's good news to you and to me. And what does it consist of? You do not have to fear. You do not have to live in fear. In spite of all the stuff you have in front of you, you do not have to live in fear. But, but, but God, we need to look to him. Don't be paralyzed by fear. That's what the prophet is saying. The prophet speaks, behold your God. God is coming. He will come and save you, we're going to sing in a moment. So it's announcing the good word. And so this is key. We are not to construct the world without God. That's the application point here. Behold God. Do not fear. Behold him and live with him. So it's really easy to construct our world really apart from God. It's like we put a big brackets around God. I've got all this stuff and then I put brackets around God. Parenthesis. But it doesn't really affect my whole life. And what the prophet is saying, no, that's not how we're to live. We are to live with God in the center, with his logos in the center, which is Christ. That's how we are to live, really. So to live your life, for me to live my life, engaging God, engaging Jesus as my center going forward. That's the encouragement. That's the motivation. That's the inspiring word here that has to somehow resonate. So it's not just a word of intellect. That, that, that's not going to go very far. It's supposed to be a word of inspiration. Will it inspire you? Will it motivate you to action? If it's just intellect words, man, you'll forget that by the time you go out the door. Time you hit Harvey's or Popeye's up the street, man, you're gonna. This is all gone, right? Just order my Popeye's, whatever it is. Motivation, inspiration—that's what we're looking for. See the Lord comes, and here we're about to end with might, and His arm rules for Him. His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother's sheep. Two images here. One is Yahweh as warrior. In the Old Testament, they use that image. Yahweh, he will fight for you. 
As moderns, you might not like the image of God as warrior. I don't know. Some do, some don't. But here, they used it. That was real in their culture. God will fight for you. But not only that, he's your shepherd. So one speaks about majesty, the other speaks about mercy. God is shepherd for you and for me, cares for you. He will take the little lambs who are newborn, who can't keep up, picks them up so that they can carry on. And the moms who have just had the babies, who are still a little bit weak, he will not drive them, he gently leads them along. Goes at a pace that they can handle. The whole picture is one of sensitivity and tenderness, God caring, seeing what the needs are, and bringing his people along. And so he will with you and me. I mean, you might have screwed up completely, but maybe what you need to hear right now is a word of mercy. A word of, hey, God is with you. God understands. God cares. Maybe God will pick you up, carry you along. Because he's a God who knows and understands us, loves us that way. On the other hand, maybe you need a kick in the butt. I don't know. Maybe I need a kick in the butt. God knows. We trust in him. So God is warrior. God is shepherd. Hear these words from Deuteronomy. The Lord your God who goes before you is the one who will fight for you. Just as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. And when you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as one carries a child, all the way that you traveled until you reached this place. I think that's kind of a neat bit from Deuteronomy. He will fight for you and he will carry you gently as is needed. So going home, what do we have? Well, one, it's to be a word of hope. It is to be a word of presence and not absence. Not to live my life with the absence of God, but the presence of God. God is present with me. Comfort, comfort my people. A word of comfort, a word of forgiveness. Behold your God, he is there for you. So can we live then with hope as our horizon? Not death as our end. Hope. Secondly, the truth that was held by John the Baptist, New Testament, makes a statement of application. What? The new beginning is ultimately in Christ. John the Baptist sees that. He looks at this verse and says, you know what? This is more than about Israel. It's about Christ. Christ comes, prepare the way. So to look with open eyes and open hearts to the revelation of God and his work in Christ. Secondly, we'll do the table in a moment. Thirdly, our job in the moment is to do our best to keep the obstacles out and the resistance to God out. That's what you are called to do. And me. Every valley shall be lifted up. Well, if we keep digging trenches, keep putting obstacles in front of us, it's going to be hard. So we're invited to walk with God, to trust in God, depend on Him, even as we go through this 
journey with him. So whatever obstacles, whatever form of resistance we might be expressing in some ways, need to look at that honestly, tackle it. God's homecoming to us in the new beginnings. So what new beginning is God offering you? Is there a new beginning? Can I look to him, trust in him for a new beginning? His timing, not mine. So it's an invitation to new beginnings. May we say yes. May we hear his word. It's a word of comfort. It's a word of consolation. May we hear it that way. In Jesus' name, amen.